we'll just get a bit of introduction and then I'll pray then. So if you haven't noticed already, we're studying the book of Acts this year. Pastor is uh, named the, the study Christianity in Motion. <clears throat> and uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground so far. Um, we're still only several weeks from the actual resurrection, okay? Because when you come into Acts, they're waiting for the day of Pentecost. And it says that Jesus spent about 40 days with the disciples before he, as you saw in Acts, he just floated up into the air like a helium balloon. And the guys were just left there wondering what had just happened. Okay. And then 10 days later from when he left then, Pentecost means 50. So we've got seven Sundays from there, got Pentecost. And uh, that's when the place where they were assembled together, it, uh, it was shaken. And uh, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, they spake in tongues and, and that, like we've read, pastors gone over that. Okay. And then <clears throat> all of that is part of a new age called a church age where, um, you know, the gospel is preached and it's salvation by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ, repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I do hope this morning that you know that you're safe for sure. Okay. You can know for sure these things have or I written unto you, John writes in First John, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the, the name of the Lord. I forget the last bit. <laughs> All right. So, because um, that's important because when you, look, when you look in the scriptures and also when you look around in the world, um, things are pointing that we're getting closer and closer to these, um, these very last days. We're already in the last days as of even from the New Testament and from the book of Acts, but you know, um, there's a lot of crazy things happening nowadays. And the Bible tells us when we see these things come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draw at nigh, Luke 21. So in other words, Jesus really is coming very soon and we need to be ready. All right. So um, last week we read about Peter healing a lame man. And um, this in turn, um, as pastor was teaching us, opened up an opportunity for them to preach the gospel to the people. And uh, up until this point, things have been going very well for the church. You know, um, Peter's been a different person since he met the resurrected Christ, okay? And um, uh, since he denied three times, um, he hasn't done that since. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's gotten busy trying to do something for the Lord. They, they tried to choose a new apostle. Uh, Pastor taught us about that as well, but um, we know that that wasn't, wasn't of God and the new apostle was supposed to be. Does anyone know who it was supposed to be? Paul, excellent. All right. And then... As I mentioned there in Pentecost, Peter included all of those guys in the upper room were filled with the Holy Ghost. And um, when Peter preached boldly, 3,000 people were saved. Okay, so that was last week. This week now, we're coming into Acts chapter 4. And uh, we're going to see the beginning of the persecution of the church or the persecution of Christians. Okay, it's, it's very mild altogether comparison, but... Um, it advances as we go through the book of Acts, okay? And Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also, okay? And uh, just by way of defining terms and things of like that, to persecute, I looked it up in the dictionary here. It says to afflict, harass, or destroy for adherence to a particular creed or system of religious principles or to a mode, mode of worship. Okay, so when you look at it like that, Jesus was certainly persecuted uh, by those he came, came to witness to and those he came to save. 
Um, it says here in Isaiah 53, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So Jesus was persecuted, and in turn, we're not greater than Jesus. So the church, and Peter included, like we're going to learn today, um, is going to experience this kind of thing. But what has changed for Peter that he's now willing to face persecution without being silenced, to endure pain yet keep his joy, and to face even the threat of death, all for the sake of the gospel? And then in turn, how can we face resistance in our lives with the same courage? So I'm just going to pray. Father, pray that you bless our time together in your word. Lord, please show us wonderful things out of your word, Lord. And we just want to glorify your name, Lord. We just want to draw close to you this morning, Lord. I pray that you would do a work in us. And uh, make us less like ourselves and more like your son, Jesus, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me catch up with this. Uh, yes. Okay, so, as I said, Peter and John are persecuted. So let's read verses 1 to 4 here in Acts, and we'll double back. Uh, Acts 4, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they thought the people, and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Amen. So Peter and John have been speaking to the people now. That's actually the same time they're, they're linked from, from last week. They, they went in, it says around the ninth hour when you look in Acts chapter 3. That's 3 p.m. Um, and uh, the layman was healed. And he ran into the temple with them. And everybody gathered around. And Peter began to preach as he saw opportunity. And um, it's now evening time. So they've been there a few hours. And uh, they've been there preaching. But now the authorities show up. And they're not happy. <clears throat> Here it says, actually, the word is grieved. They're grieved. And what are they grieved about? Let me press some buttons here. They're grieved for teaching the people. As we looked there, we saw it in um, verse 2, being grieved that they taught the people. Okay? So, um, you know, none of these people were being forced to hear what Peter and John had to say. Um, nobody was being coerced. But, of course, if the authorities get upset, then... They have the authority to shut people down, <laughs> okay? And they decided to use their power against Peter. And they're mainly upset that they taught the people because that was their job. <laughs> that was their, their place. They were supposed to be doing the teaching. They were supposed to be calling the shots. I guess that's why they called them the authorities. And um, they didn't want anyone else to have an influence over the people that wasn't part of, of their clique, you know, kind of way, or that came through their channels. Okay, and not only did they teach the people, they were teaching them something in particular. It says they're preaching through Jesus, the resurrection. <laughs> so you might notice one of the groups there, it says priests and captain of the temple and the Sadducees. The Sadducees are said to, um, they don't uh, believe that there's any resurrection. I'm reading here from Acts 23 defines them. They say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. Okay, so it goes against their doctrine in particular, but it, it, it's really... Not, not just that they don't agree religiously or whatever, or belief-wise. It's mainly because they're preaching a name here. 
and that name is Jesus. Okay, so um, yeah, you know, to kind of put it into today's thing, like you might have been reading if you've read any news things or whatever, this message did not agree with their accepted narrative. So the cancel culture authorities have enacted emergency measures and similar to freezing their accounts, banning their Twitter accounts and tweets. And now they've just hauled them off the jail like criminals. Okay, does that sound like a story you might have read lately? Um, so, you know, it, it, it just comes naturally. And when people hear about Christ and they're not believers, then they don't normally have a good reaction when you start telling them the gospel. Okay. But, um, you know, it seemed like a good idea to persecute John, Peter and John for those authorities. But the Bible says the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Okay. So, you know, just because the authorities have authority doesn't make it right what they do. Okay. And it doesn't make it wise. Um, what they, they, they say is right to do and wrong to do, that kind of thing, okay? So there we have the beginning there of, um, of persecution, okay? And um, as I said already, you know, the, the authorities, they, they hated Jesus without a cause, and, in, and they'll also, the Christians will be, will be hated as long as you're following in Jesus' steps. If you're following in Jesus' steps, you'll be hated just like he was, okay? So, you know, in any, in any day, living for and walking with Jesus will upset people, okay? Paul says about the persecution he faced, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, okay? But one important thing I think it's important to note is uh, Peter wasn't going looking for trouble. He wasn't going, going, I'm going to go in here now and I'm going to make sure they're well upset because they need to know or whatever, or they need to, they need to be sorted out, okay? He's not looking for any trouble. But he's just doing what the Lord would have him to do as that opportunity presents itself, okay? So I think that's an important kind of, um, as part of an attitude, sometimes people will preach out of the wrong kind of, um, the wrong spirit when they're looking to, 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 um, to annoy people. But that's, that's not, we don't see that in the Bible whatsoever. Um, so, uh, you know, the problem I think more for Christians nowadays is that we seem more worried about what other people think rather than considering what would God think, okay? And, um, you know, Satan's goal is to suppress the gospel. So if we are allowing ourselves to be suppressed like that, whose side are we on, okay? Um, later on in Peter's life, he writes about the purpose of persecution. And what the same message from last week was that the miracles that was done there of the layman opened up an opportunity for the gospel to be heard and to be taken seriously. And in the same way, when a Christian is living for Jesus, and then he gets persecuted. If he continues on his course, according to what the Bible says, that gives the gospel um, credibility or um, it, 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 it allows it to, be, to reach further. It magnifies it in a way. Okay? And that's basically the lesson from this morning in a nutshell. But if you turn to 1 Peter 4, we're reading here about um, Peter's words from later on, as he looks back maybe in, at, at, at times like this, that we read about in the book of Acts. We're in 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4 and verse 12. Where am I going here? Yeah. Here, I'll go back. 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice 
inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when, uh, when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Okay, so Peter writes about persecution. He says, don't worry about it. It's nothing strange. You're not like especially picked on or anything like that, you know, and have a worse lot in life than somebody else. It's nothing strange. So um, don't think anything of it. Um, you know, just because we're doing the right thing doesn't mean that things have to go well. The Bible never promises that. Just because you're doing right, hang on a second, I'm doing all the things that God would want me to do. Why is all this stuff happening? That's the wrong question to ask yourself. <laughs> okay, it doesn't always go well. Um, for the sake of time, I won't go there, but in Hebrews 11, you find, a, you know, they call it the hall of faith, where all these people, and a lot of the first part, we like it because, you know, um, there's, there are happy endings to those stories. You know, Sarah received strength to conceive. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, these kind of things. And we, we, we like that. Um, but as you go down, it says a lot of, of negative things happen to people that they weren't worthy of this world that they were in. They were trusting God and um, they were wandering about destitute, things like that. Um, you can read that in Hebrews 11, 35 to 40. Okay. But um, basically, this side of the persecution, um, where God may or may not deliver, it just means we're partakers of Christ's sufferings, like we read there in, in uh, verse 13, um, in 1 Peter 4, 13. So if you ever face persecution for being a Christian, you've been doing the right thing. Don't be ashamed, Peter says. And um, he, he mentions another phrase, which I want to get at there. If you're still in 1 Peter, if you go back to a page or two to um, chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll just read a few more verses here. I just want to home in on um, one more phrase that will be valid for, for this morning. 1 Peter 2, verse 18. Okay, so he's talking here about servants and he says, Be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God, that's a phrase, conscience toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if ye be buffeted for your faults? Ye shall take it patiently. But if ye shall do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. So as we're suffering for the cause of good we're following it in jesus's steps and we're doing it to maintain a good conscience towards god so that we might not be ashamed at his coming okay we want that that's you know a lot of people want to maintain like a, a good rapport with, with people or whatever and that's why sometimes we don't give the gospel because we're like oh it's going to accept them and maybe they won't talk to me anymore and this kind of stuff but we really ought to be worried about on a much higher level uh, what, what would god want us to do and is the Holy Spirit prompting us to speak or to be silent? And if the Holy Spirit is prompting us to speak and we're being silent, we're, we're worrying about the wrong thing. And we're, we're, um, we're not glorifying God, which is something that we ought to be doing at all times. Okay, so that's a little bit about Peter and John being persecuted. And we'll just see a little bit more here. Peter and John are challenged. So I'm back in Acts chapter 4. I should have said keep a finger in there or whatever. If we ever go anywhere else, we'll be back to Acts chapter 4. So it, it's not a fun message. Nobody likes persecution. <laughs> but if God's glorified, you know, 
God before us, who can be against us? Even so, you know, come Lord Jesus, that kind of attitude, okay? So they threw them in jail, all right? And, and you'd think that that would be enough for the authorities. They'd be appeased. The wrongdoers, wrongdoers were thrown in jail. People aren't hearing anymore this preaching about Jesus, okay? And the resurrection of the dead. Um, so you think it would, that would kind of solve it a bit or whatever. But Peter and John wake up to find the whole situation escalating or getting worse very fast. So let's read there in verse 5. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Ooh. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? All right. So, you know, we read there in verse one, there was only uh, priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees that were grieved. But now we've got a longer, a way longer list, double long. <laughs> um, lots of ands there. All these other people were gathered together against Peter and John. Okay. Um, again, it's, it, I think it's a, definitely a shadow that they are following in, in in Jesus' steps, you know, it says in Psalm 2, you know, why did the heathen rage? <laughs> um, but there's a lot, a lot of people upset here. So Peter and John's offense now hasn't just, isn't just localized anymore. If you, you know, Gavin likes the whole court system and all that kind of thing. But basically, overnight, um, their offense that they have done against these people um, has bypassed the district court, the circuit court, the high court. And it's just gone straight to the Supreme Court overnight. And um, these are the same guys who, the last time they convened, that we read about in the Bible, they convened about how they might destroy Jesus, okay? So they're not standing in front of a happy crowd, okay? And, um, you know, if you look at the circumstances there, you might have a lot of cause to worry, right? Um, but let's see, let's, let's see um, further down. So as I already said, you know, Jesus had forewarned his disciples about this, okay? He said, oh, you know, stuff like this will happen. I'm just reading from Luke 21, 12. You don't have to go there, but if you have time, that's fine. It says here, but before all these, Jesus is talking about the future and prophecy. He says, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my namesake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I, I will give you a mouth and wisdom, um, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. I'll just leave it at that. So, um, you know, Jesus was talking about much further in the future, I believe, but this is a shadow as they, as they trust Christ and as they're doing what he says to do, it foreshadows the future here and what Peter is experiencing now as well, okay? So it goes on to verse seven and there, they basically just ask him a double question, by what power or by what name have you done this, okay? So uh, this is the, the heart of the authorities basically they don't care about the lame man remember the lame man have we forgotten about him he was healed he was above 40 he full health again amazing miracle that nobody could deny but they don't they don't care about that at all what they're worried about is by what power have you done this in a sense like you know they're essentially saying we're the ones with the power of authority and we haven't given you permission to do any of this so Explain yourself, that kind of that kind of thing. And they want to know, by what name have you done this? <laughs> You're back in the, in the book of Esther, um, when Esther reveals unto the king that there is someone who 
was going to wanted to destroy all the Jewish people, he said, um, who is he and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? <laughs> so this is the same idea there, have this kind of attitude where they're wondering, who is it that told you you could do these kind of things? I don't know if you were at one of the Bible studies there, a pastor talked about name dropping, you know, when you mention a name, that might make things okay or get your foot in the door or make something, you know, so maybe if they could say, oh, Caiaphas said it or, you know, they'd have a backing and they might be okay. Um, so they're wondering what in the world is going on here. So before we go to the next verse and finish up, um, you know, what should Peter do? Considering all this stuff that's coming at him, if he looks at it with his own eyes, he should be very worried altogether. And then when we look in our Bibles here, look, we might be confused too, because Romans 13 says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God, okay? And then we could go, that's just about governments and things of like that um, in a secular sense, right? But we could go one step further and Jesus himself calls the people that Peter now has to answer before. He, he says that they sit in Moses' seat, okay? So that's the kind of authority they had even on a religious level. Um, and uh, he also says, um, uh, I forget now, so I'm just going to read it here from Matthew 23. Um, Matthew 23, 2. Oh, he says, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, he's talking about these people now that sit in Moses' seat, that observe and do. And, but then he says, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So Jesus was saying to obey them, even in the petty things that they say to do. Okay, so this is kind of a little bit confusing here. Does, does Peter need to obey them always? And for us, do we need to obey the authorities always? Um, then issues come up like freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Does that automatically get put aside? for the sake of authority, okay? Um, should we let these religious but worldly authorities define what truth and virtue is? Okay, so let's see what the Bible teaches. We'll go on. We're in Acts chapter four and to verse eight. So by what name am I power have you done this? All right, so it just says in verse eight, Peter, Peter opens his mouth and then just the title there is Peter and John answer boldly. So we'll read eight to 10 for a start. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. So evidently the guy is there with them. Okay? So... Peter doesn't speak evil of them. We might be tempted to do that sort of thing to our authorities. <laughs> All right. Um, Peter doesn't avoid the question. Peter doesn't answer carefully. Like, you know, in a certain way. That was the same spirit that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had when they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar. When they wouldn't bow, they said, uh, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. So it's just a matter of fact. We'll just throw out the facts here and call the kettle black. Okay. Peter didn't answer out of fear of what they might think or say or do. He didn't speak with arrogance or pride or self-ambition, nor with guile or anger or hatefulness towards those who have wrongfully imprisoned him. In fact, the only thing that he's full of, if you're talking about hateful and full of whatever, is just full of the Holy Ghost. That's what it says there in verse 8. It says, then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, And this is the key. 
to the new Peter, he's full of the Holy Ghost. And that will change a person outright. When you get saved, the Bible says, all things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Okay. And um, you're sealed, it says in Ephesians, with the Spirit until the day of redemption. Okay. So that's one of our goals. Okay. So Peter can't glorify God by keeping silent. Okay. And that's, that's one of the truths that we need to remember. Okay. We can't glorify God by keeping our mouths closed. Okay. That's why it says in Psalms, let's say if you read Psalm 34, 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Okay. And we should be ready to speak boldly too. Um, I'm quoting Peter again in his book, First Peter. And um, we know this one because um, it helps us with evangelism and stuff. Um, First Peter 3.15, you might know it already. But it says here, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that where, whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation. Okay, so Peter can't glorify God by keeping silent, so he has to speak up. Well, he also had to speak because he was asked the question, right? Uh, but um, Peter can't keep a good conscience towards God and man by telling them anything else other than the truth. So he can't just avoid it like he did before. It's easy to do, right? He denied Christ. He said, I know not the man. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, and then he walked over that way. We can do that too. It comes easily, right? But if we're going to glorify God, and if we're going to maintain a good conscience, we might want to reconsider. <laughs> okay? And in the same way, you know, if somebody, somebody asks you as well, I mean, they're inviting you to say something. I often get an opportunity to say something because people ask, what do you do for a living? What's your job? And I get to immediately mention the church, which normally means they don't ask me any more questions. But I do get an opportunity, okay? And if somebody asks you a question, don't be afraid to speak up. Now, the difference is that or, you know, yes, and, you know, the businesses call it cold calling. We come to the door and we're trying to bring up spiritual things that's extra hard because people haven't invited us. But in, in, in especially in an opportunity when someone asks you a question, please, please don't keep silent and give glory to God because he's done so much for you. And just don't forget that kind of thing. All right. Never forget the day of your salvation. Never forget that journey that you went through. You know, um, my life was turned upside down like the gospel was. Um, for the people, when, when my dad came home and he said, John, I'm saved. I was like, I don't know what that is, but you seem happy, you know, good. You know? <laughs> and then he said, you know, my sins are washed away and, you know, I know I'm going to heaven now. And I said, yes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't really, the natural man receive it not, the things of the spirit, right? Dad was rejoicing and having a great time, having a, a hallelujah fit or whatever, you know, they call it <laughs> down south. And, um, uh, I, you know, uh, from dad's history, dad had come home and said things would be different before. So I was like, all right, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I'll take that at face value and we'll see what happens. But time went on and uh, dad's life was different. And it really, really was, you know, I'd come home and he'd be watching um, this guy, Kent Hovind has these things about creation or watching these things about how music isn't super biblical. And I was brave to put on the house when I was like the music idolater, worshiper, traveling all over the place just to see these bands and things like that. And I was, he was watching, they sold their souls for rock and roll, you know, and um, that upset me. <laughs> okay. And it, sometimes it was difficult to be in the house, I'm sure, for dad, because, um, you know, we, we'd probably knock heads on a lot of things if we, if we started talking about that kind of stuff. But as time went by, 
you know, dad wasn't silent. And um, he just kept doing what he had to do. And it, it made a difference. And in time then, I started asking questions. And um, remember the first time I asked about salvation, dad nearly fell over. And then, uh, then he got the discipleship book and he tried to take me through the whole lesson. But I think it was just over my head, you know. But, but it was a start, you know. And um, you know, things, God can do wonderful things and change people in ways that you could never imagine. And, um, you know, if like Peter was tempted to do possibly here, if we're just going to look with our earthly eyes, we're not going to see very much. But if we could just see, you know, it's, it hasn't entered into the heart of man, you know, the things that God has prepared for us, the Bible says. And uh, we, we, we definitely need to keep our trust in God, okay? And, and, and in, to go forward with that, then Peter can't pass up an opportunity to preach the gospel. He just, you know, he wouldn't, I suppose we would say now he just wouldn't be Peter. We wouldn't expect that of Peter anymore. But this is the new Peter. This is the Peter that Jesus has changed entirely. Okay, and I'm sure Peter's even surprised himself, maybe. Okay, but he just keeps going. Um, like, this was the very message that got him sent to jail, and he didn't change one bit. And he added more to it, even. So, like, when you go back, um, he's talking to the people after he healed the layman, and he's saying here, you know, um, but ye denied the Holy One and the just in 3.14, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised of, from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And he says the very same thing then. He says, um, be known unto you all and to all the people that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him that this man stand before you whole. And then here, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name, none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So he says, you're the guys who rejected him. The stone which was set at naught of you builders whom ye crucified. You know, he, he's, he's really, um, you know, he's, he's cutting to the chase and he's not, he's not holding anything back. Okay. And that's part of the gospel. You know, um, we know that it's, I just read there in Isaiah 53, um, you know, what is it? All we like sheep have gone astray. Um, he says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. So we're responsible as well also. Everybody, each individual is responsible for the death of Christ, for his crucifixion, because it was our sins that caused him to have to go to the cross. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So he does all the whole gospel there, sin, judgment. He says, we must be saved. There's no other way. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And I like, um, I like uh, Acts 17, 13, 31. It says, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent because he had appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he had ordained, whereof he had given assurance to all men in that he had raised him from the dead. Amen. So Jesus is now, raised from the dead he's seated at the right hand of the father and um you know we 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 all need him desperately we need to get saved again i said at the start i'll say it again i do hope that you're saved i do hope that you know that your sins can be cleansed that jesus did die for you for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay? And um, there's no point in, in looking anywhere else other than unto Jesus. So Peter um, preaches the gospel. He's persecuted all the same, but he, he stays going on the, uh, on the same course. Okay? So these things that he did, we, we need to learn from. So I'm just going to apply them. He gives glory to God. He maintains a good conscience toward God. He trusts God in, despite what he's looking at, the circumstances that are around him. And he preaches the gospel anyway. Sin, righteousness, and judgment, the whole, the whole thing. All right? And it, we need to do the same, okay? So persecutions will come. And then, you know, I, I was studying this, and I was saying, telling Ruth, I was like, I don't really think I've been persecuted, really. You know, afflicted, harassed. It's thought to be destroyed, you know. Uh, we were witnessing to some teenagers in the city in a place they call the Peace Park, Bishop Lucy Park, and um, we're doing this little kind of survey thing. And um, this one guy got was a bit upset. He was smoking a cigarette while I was talking to him, and, and he just outed his cigarette on my survey or whatever, you know. But that's not, that's nothing. That's not persecution. You know, people shouting at you or this kind of stuff. I haven't really had anyone, um, you know, get that upset with me. But the Bible says persecutions will come. And, you know, if you look around in the world, there may be a time when we'll have to face something that we're not used to, but you know this, this truth, the truths here will stand to us. Okay, so like Peter, we need to be ready with an answer. Okay, and that doesn't come without walking with God. You're not going to have an answer unless you're walking with Him, unless you're striving to be filled with the Spirit. Okay, and you guys are in church, and I presume that's what you're looking to do. Okay, so we need to maintain a good conscience before God and men. I just got three more scriptures here. I might as well read them. Acts 24, 16 says. Did I? 24, 16, sorry. Um, have we got the right one? Oh, this is Paul here. And herein do I exercise myself to always, to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Okay? And if men are going to get offended, then... We can't add that to the list. We'll have to keep make sure that our conscience is void of offense toward God. If you can only maintain one of the two, make sure it's God that's that one that you're <laughs> that you're um, not offending. Okay. And then the second one then is by not looking at circumstances, but keeping your trust in God. Hebrews thirteen six says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And we know this verse, this last one. Uh, by striving to be filled with nothing other than the Holy Ghost. So we could be filled with a lot of things. The world fills us with lust of things and um, whatever, you know, the love of money and that kind of thing. But we need to be striving to be filled with nothing other than the Holy Ghost. Um, be not drunk with wine, Ephesians 5.18 says, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I'll just read uh, two more verses here from Hebrews, and we'll finish up here and pray. Uh, Hebrews 13.20 says... Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So it's like a blessing on you guys. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time in your word. It's a hard subject, Lord, persecution, and nobody wants to go through it, Lord. Um, but, um, you know, 
we have little control over our lives, Lord. We can't um, change our height by a cubit, Lord, or we can't make a lot of things happen, Lord. So I pray that, Lord, you just help us to uh, just maintain our trust in you, Lord, as we were learning there, keep a good conscience towards you, Father, um, just to keep our trust in you, Father. And um, I pray that you'd um, help us, Lord, just fill us with your spirit, Lord, and help us to be soft towards what it is that you'd have us to do, Lord, and um, simple towards evil, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do the things, Lord, um, if it be part of your will, Lord, that you call us, Lord, to some sort of persecutions, Lord, that you'd give us strength and grace um, to go through it, Lord, and that we'd be able to um, not remain silent, Lord, and to, to glorify you, Lord, um, in, in all that we do, Father, that it would be well-pleasing in your sight, Lord. So we just thank you for that, Lord. Pray bless our, the rest of our day, Lord, and the things that we're doing. And um, just continue to guide us and teach us, Lord, um, and change us as well, Lord, more into the image of your Son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.